right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Luck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for the Athletic, and we are here today to talk about the Richmond race for NASCAR, but also the great IndyCar race at Texas Motor Speedway and the chaotic F1 race in Australia that for some reason we both stayed up for and maybe regretted it. <laughs> no, no today. regrets. It was great. No regrets. Okay. It was. It was. The last uh, 30 minutes of that race made it well worth it. Oh, I don't know. I, I've been kind of, I mean, here I've got my, my, uh, the athletic coffee mug. I've been, this has been nonstop all day. Just drinking. <laughs> I mean, it's, oof, that you was a get, late you night. Like, you couldn't sleep in? I have two kids. You think they, uh, they don't care whether I, I stayed up late watching a You can't tell F1 them like, race? go away, dad's sleeping, go do something on your own. Do you, do... <laughs> I feel like, like seriously, if it was me. Like they came into my room and like said, "Hey, Dad, we're up." Like, good, go away. I'm sleeping. Go my two year old at six thirty a.m. as oh. as every day starts going, "Dada, dada, dada." I can't just like leave her in her crib and be like, "Hey, uh, I know you don't understand this, but um, I'm tired, so just stay in there for a while. Uh, just entertain yourself." I why? Mean, <laughs> like why? Like I mean, she's fine. She's safe. She's not going anywhere. All right. Yeah. I'm glad you're not a parent, Jordan. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I would worry about your, your prospective children, but I know that's never gonna happen anyway. Anyway, yeah. uh, I, you know, th- there, an argument could be made to talk about, um, the, any of the other races first, but since you're at Richmond, let's go ahead and talk about that. The one that was freshly com- completed. Um, you know, we've, we've for a long time, uh, had Richmond pretty far down on our list. I'm not saying it's quite at Texas level, although now Texas for, <laughs> for IndyCar moving up a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> you know, NASCAR wise, um, you know, you know, it's been like, yeah, Richmond. However, today, you know, at least the, the numbers show that it was, uh, a, you know, improved, right. Um, you know, I'm not saying it was old school Richmond, but, um, I think it had the most, uh, 22 lead changes is the most since there was 23 in the Carl Edwards race that he won in, in 2016 and eight cautions, although three of those were, were planned cautions, but still eight cautions, the most since 2017. And it felt like guys could move around a little bit more. They weren't stuck. Um, Comers and goers. Yeah. I mean, and, and certainly when you factor in the, the tire strategy and stuff. Like it was, yeah. Okay. It was much, it was, I always say this term, like it was perfectly acceptable. It wasn't like a race. You're going to remember like years from now, but Oh man, that was a, a great race. Remember that? But it was like, Certainly a lot better than the last few Richmond races, which, you know, is, is an improvement. So I think that's that's a good thing. And I wasn't maybe not the most sexy storylines that come out of this, but it was it was per, it was much better than what we've seen, which is, again, that's a win. Well, yeah. And again, like it wasn't bad, which I mean, it's a low bar, a low bar, it's a for low bar. It's recent a low bar. Richmond races, right? I have a but, saying about low bars. I can't say on this podcast because we have to be family friendly. Oh, okay. Well, tell me off air afterwards. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, like, look, it's, it was a race and it was fine. Uh, it was decently watchable and you know, you move yeah. on. Right. So, yeah. um, and again, uh, like you said, storyline wise, you know, uh, if you were going to go into the weekend and say, oh, a Hendrick car won and uh, William Byron dominated and actually it was really Larson and William Byron dominating the race, you'd be like, oh, so like a bunch of other races this year so far, especially yeah. like within the last month. This time, though, the script was flipped instead of, um, 
you know, Larson maybe like dominating the whole race like he did at Phoenix and then Byron kind of getting at the end there. It was Larson who kind of took it away from Byron after Byron, um, you know, he, he was going to win without the late caution. And then, um, you know, his team had not such a great pit stop, you know, just a couple loses a couple positions and that's all it took for him to get, uh, back in the pack where Ross Chastain makes it three wide, which by the way, I don't fault Ross Chastain at all. Christopher we Bell, talk about that, we will, we will, yeah. uh, Christopher Bell then, um, I guess is he makes a sort of a weird sweeping move up the track and just takes out, um, yeah. William Byron in sort of a moment of, I, I don't really know what was going on there. Then after we're after the race, Christopher Bell, um, I've seen some of the videos from reporters on pit road and, you know, Noah Lewis wrecking posted ball. this video, called him a wrecking ball. Ross wrecking Chastain, ball. A wrecking I was going to, I was going to say like, we should, that's something to watch because they've had a little bit of run-ins before last year at Michigan, they got into it. Um, so Bell was kind of on that Ross. He was on the the not Ross Chastain fan club list, right? And it's there's been a few times this year where Bell's made some comments, and he's not somebody who's outspoken and is out to make waves. So him kind of saying this is, is notable. It seems like there's a little bit of underlying circumstance there, uh, or you know, between these two. Yeah, but I, I look. I, I'm sorry, but just objectively looking at the replay and everything. First of all, Ross Chastain didn't make any contact. Second of all, everybody's going to make, I mean, everybody's trying to make it three wide. It's a late race restart. You're trying to make it three wide. You're trying to dive bomb the bottom. That's what everybody's doing. He's an easy person to blame. He is. I mean, he was in the area, but Bell was the one that came up and took Byron out. I mean, he's the one that has control of his cars. I don't, I don't really get, you know, blaming Chastain there for that and calling him a wrecking ball when Bell was, I mean, I look, I, I get the situation and Bell's frustrated and it's right after the race, but I mean, he still finished fourth. Byron's yeah. the one that finished 24th. I mean, if anything, you'd be like, man, um, you know, look, I happy with the top five. Hate, hate. I got into Byron. Definitely didn't mean to do that. I, I was just trying to defend on Chastain and just, you know, miscalculated when I came up and, you know, definitely apologies to, to Byron or whatever. But instead it's like, Oh, the wrecking ball did what he always does. Bonsai. Yeah, he didn't mention there. him by name either. Like he said wrecking ball. And then it was like, do you mean Chastain? He's like, yeah, the wrecking ball. And I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I guess, love that just because it feels like it just, it's just so easy. It's just like, it's like yeah. cliche to blame Chastain it, for it everything. Is. Now, I mean, you know? part of it's like, I get it. You know, when you put yourself in that situation, you're, you're going to get the fingers pointed at you, but you know, it's also goes with the territory and you just kind of got to run with it and okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, look, look, Chastain, the, the thing with Suarez and, and Bowman last week, I mean, Chastain was part of that for sure. Like he got into the back of, uh, Bowman who then got in Suarez, you know, but that's, uh, again, I don't, he was far from the only one doing that. Then you have the incident where people wanted to blame him. What, what was it? Atlanta for mm-hmm. spinning out Harvick, even though he didn't even mm-hmm. touch Harvick. Um, again, it's just always, it's always Ross. If he's anywhere nearby, yeah. that, that guy, wow, wow. Oh, he's just, oh, he's terrible. You, he's, you know, the thing is though, like you can blame Ross for being overly aggressive and I'm not saying he's not, obviously there's enough examples to say that he is. It is working for him. Like we keep talking about like, oh, he's got to, he's got to, you know, he's got to play nice and he's going to have all these enemies. Like it's working for him. Like he finished good today. Like he finished, he rallied from 30th something last week to, to leave with a top five finish. Like he, I've gotten to the point, like, I don't think he needs to change anything. Like it's working for him. He's doing it well. He's not winning races, but he's putting himself in position to win races. He almost won the championship this year. He's second in the points, I believe after today, like, Keep doing what you're doing. Who cares if you're making everybody mad because it's working? 
I mean, other people make other drivers mad too. It's just, yeah. it's just, you know, he's, he's got his reputation. I, I just think too, that, um, you know, again, he hasn't done anything recently. I mean, the Hamlin stuff, you can make an argument, but he hasn't done anything recently where you're like, Oh, he's going to get paid back for that. People will race him hard, but he races hard too. So he expects it. You know what exactly. I mean? And that's the thing. Like he doesn't complain. Like if you race him hard, like AJ Allmendinger said this a few weeks ago is like, AJ's like, he races you hard, but he doesn't care if you get into him because he expects it. Like it's all, you know, all fair, love and war. Yep. Well, as it turns out, you know, uh, neither of those guys end up winning along with Byron as well. I mean, you, you could you, look, we talk about alternate narratives here and definitely an easy alternate narrative would have been Byron already wins his third race of the year in a week when he just got his 10 playoff bonus points back and his 100 points. Byron is unstoppable. Um, then you could expand that to Byron Larson. Oh, Larson keeps coming up short this time though. Larson didn't come up short because, um, he came out first on that pit stop. Um, Josh Berry, his teammate subbing for Chase Elliott comes up second. They finish, end up finishing one, two and Larson gets his first win of the year. Um, you know, Larson said, even after the race, like, uh, you know, I've had to watch the other night. I was kind of bored, watched YouTube videos of myself, uh, to remind <laughs> me like, you know, that, that I used to be good. Um, and, um, the reporter from the Charlotte observer asked him to expand on that. And he said, you know, it's just, it's, it's even things like the interviews, like, what was I saying? Mm-hmm. What was my mindset at the time in my mm-hmm. 2021 season where I was, I was doing so well. Um, you know, just comparing it to how I think now, because the next gen is, it, it's hard to be dominant in that way. So, but the, the, the bottom line is, you know, look, the, this, this race was either going to be a Hendrick or, or Gibbs car all day. It that, felt like. that to me is the interesting narrative because you're talking about alternative timelines. It, it, as good as Hendrick was, and they were really good, especially in the first half of this race, you could make a case that Martin Strix Jr. or Denny Hamlin should have won this race. And, you know, at least been in more of a factor at the end than they were. But in Hamlin's case, two speeding penalties, an issue on pit road, his day's over. Truex, the caution came out at the horrible time, and he got, you know, he, he got caught with an ex, down a, an extra set of tires, and he, he slid backwards. Like, both of those guys at the end of the race probably had the fastest cars. They just didn't have the track position. And it's, it's weird because they were better than Hendrick was at the end of the race. They just, they couldn't close out. Instead, it's another win for Hendrick, which is their third now in seven races. And Joe Gibbs racing is just moving on and they're still looking for their first win. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly a case to be made for that too. I mean, when you look at sort of the three veteran, more veteran JGR drivers all led at least 25 laps, Denny led 71, Truex led 56, Bell led 26. And then you have Ty Gibbs getting his third straight top 10. He finished ninth. Um, so yeah, but to me though, like when we're looking at this race and, and it's, again, it's going to be most races this season. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, Hendrick Gibbs, maybe you throw Penske in there. Sometimes maybe you throw a track house in there. Sometimes maybe you throw a Harvick in there. Sometimes maybe Kyle Busch every once in a while, maybe 2311 every once in a while. But that's consistently mm-hmm. we're talking about the powerhouses and that's what yeah. it, it just over and over again. We keep seeing, even though it's only seven races into this year, we keep getting little more pieces of the puzzle, piece of evidence that it's going to be the, the kind of season where the usual suspects for most of the tracks that we go to, those are going to be the names that we expect to be up there. I would agree with all that. And I would actually go that a step farther and see like Henrik to me is separating itself a little bit. Yeah. JGR was really good today, but it doesn't matter the style of racetrack. We talk about how Ford, they're really only good on super speedways. 
Toyota, they're kind of a little bit hit or miss, right? We don't know when they're going to be great. Um, they were really good today. They were just okay at Fontana. You know, they kind of been off a little bit. But consistently, really, from every race, doesn't matter the track, Hendrick Motorsports is in contention. Like, they've got guys in the mix. Like, they are, you know, you can talk about the variables with this car. They have figured it out where every week they're bringing race, they're bringing cars to the racetrack that are capable of winning. Not any other organ, no other organization is really doing that on a consistent level. Yeah. And look, I mean, we know that um, not having your crew chiefs is not a big disadvantage, right? Because the crew chiefs are still calling all the shots at the shop during the week and they're, you know, helping with strategy when, you know, even during the races and they're in communication and stuff. But the fact is that, you know, you see Kyle Larson, Cliff Daniels, not in person at the track, not in person for the race weekend. Um, you know, they get a win, right? So, you know, th- their organization is strong. They're doing it in many ways. And with them getting all their points back, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about here. Cause I, I know we both have strong feelings about that. Um, you know, look, they're, they're just, uh, it just feels like they are really, if, if, their if, world. if, if something doesn't happen and I don't know what yeah. that would be, this season could easily get completely blown open by, by Hendrick, because look, when chase comes back as it, and kudos to Josh Berry for, for salvaging Absolutely. a, uh, second place finish today. Right. But the only reason he got up there is because he, look, he was, he was, he, he had to start in the back cause of the, the qualifying metric. Right. So he's, he's running in the thirties. He gets spun by Ryan Blaney and he's able to work his way back up. And then they play that strategy, you know, and he's able to, um, you know, get, get the beneficiary of, of a timely caution. Um, and then the, the pit crew gets him out second and he's able to stay there, you know, uh, for the late restarts. And, you know, he, he, gets a great finish, but there's been multiple races in the past few weeks where if Chase Elliott was in that car, you know, that it's going to be performing better than Josh Berry. And, and again, that's just Josh Berry doesn't have the experience yet. Chase Elliott is a championship driver, future hall, hall of famer already. Once you start putting chase in those cars combined with how well they've been running. I mean, Hendrick is just, I mean, yikes. It, I'm looking at it right now, and there's only – I think I would say there's only one race this year, Atlanta, where you didn't feel like a Hendrick car was in the mix. And even the Daytona 500, like Kyle Larson was running really well. Alex Bowman was in running well. Um, Byron was was going to have a good day until he got caught up in the wreck. Like every single week they're running well. Atlanta was the exception. And like to your point, when you bring Chase Elliott back, he's going to start doing this. And I mean, you can make a case for all four of these guys having – championship realistic championship hopes and you know alex bowman who kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit oh by the way is leading the point standings <laughs> like like it's just he just keeps knocking out top 10 finishes every week he's not winning stages he's not leading laps it doesn't matter he's just finishing well he's getting the most out of it like it's just this is a hendrick world right now and he was like everybody's just kind of living in it yeah i mean there was that there's been storylines at times uh, i remember one of the years uh there was a storyline of oh you know could all four gibbs drivers make it to the final four. And I think the way this is shaping up, what's that? 2016. 2016 which, yeah. yeah. Um, the way this is shaping up, if they continue on this path, um, you know, because they're going to, like you said, even with Bowman, yeah, he, he hasn't won yet. Yeah. He's not running up front, but he's the points leader. So, mm-hmm. you know, he got his points back and if he's able to get, you know, say 10 playoff points, if he's able to hang up there or even, you know, nine, eight or whatever he's going to do if he's this consistent. And then you, you would think he, at some point he's going to win. Chase Elliott's going to win after he comes back. Byron's going to keep winning. Larson's going to keep winning. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for most tracks, 
every week when you show up, it's going to be like, okay, the Hendrick guys are probably going to be the ones to beat depending on the track, but that's in general, that's how it's going to be. And then you look, okay, well, can JGR do something to, to sneak this out here? You know, what, what can Penske do? And then you go on from there, but Hendrick right now, I, what, what, what can you say? I mean, they're just, they're just on it. They're on it and they've had a very, very good week. <laughs> well, let's talk about that good week because, um, you know, look, we, we've written, we did, we did not agree with this, uh, decision. Um, no. at least I, I haven't, and, and no, I you, mean, you had a great article and, and I really think that people, if you haven't read this yet, um, you guys should go read Jordan's article that he did. He, he went around the garage on Friday at Richmond and he talked to what nine crew chiefs and three competition directors or something like yeah. that. And you gave them anonymity so that they could express their true thoughts without getting a fine or whatever for, uh, expressing your thoughts, which we know happens. Um, and you know, they were really upset. People are really upset. Um, if you're not Hendrick motorsports right now, because what, you know, it, it'd be one thing if the Hendrick, if, if the appeals panel for the Hendrick case had come out and said, you know what? We, we disagree that Hendrick violated the rules. We, we think that they did not violate the rules and then therefore we are rescinding the penalty. And granted, we don't get a lot of details when the appeals panel sends out this email. It's very short on details. It basically says, here's the three bullet points, right? Like, so did we agree or disagree that they violated the rules as laid out? And then here's the penalty and we, you know, either keep this or adjust it or whatever. Right? So they sent out the email after the Hendrick appeal, and they say, yes, we agree with NASCAR that they did violate all the rules that NASCAR said. So everything that NASCAR cited Hendrick Motorsports for with modifying the louvers, yes, they did. They did modify the louvers. They did do it without permission. They did have a single source part and all the stuff that they weren't supposed to touch, mm -hmm. and they messed with it. Now, then the appeals panel says, well, you know what, though? Your, your punishment for that, we don't really agree with NASCAR even though that that's what it says in the rule book, that would be, that's what the penalty is. If you violate mm -hmm. these rules, this is, these are the options. This is the menu of options that NASCAR has. And that NASCAR was exactly consistent mm -hmm. with other teams last year that have mm -hmm. had the same penalty. The appeals panel says, ah, you know what, Hendrick here, just take all your points back, which is the actual part the of the penalty. The only thing that matters. Yes. Like, but you know, oh, you, you keep your, keep your, yeah, your crew chief still suspended and then give us, you know, give the $400,000 still like they care. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, take all your points back, take all your playoff points back. Yeah. You got it. Like what in the world was the appeals panel thinking? That is like, I, I, you know, look, it's, it's a little bit tough for me to be some stand here sometimes and be like, I feel bad for NASCAR, but I tell you what, I felt case, really bad for NASCAR. It's hard this not week. to be. Like they did, they, you yell, we, we get on them about being inconsistent. You want consistency, you, you know, playing favorites, you know, they didn't play favorites here with Hendrick. They came down heavy on him. They did everything they were supposed to do. And at the end of the day, it didn't matter. Like Hendrick got his points back. What's the only thing that matter? I, to a man, everyone I talked to said the same thing. We will gladly trade our crew chief. I will gladly sit out four races and pay the the six figure fine if it meant winning a race or it meant gaining a, a a speed advantage. Denny Hamlin said he would do the same thing, like as a team owner, like absolutely. And so that's where this confusion is. And it's like, and there's some people that read the article and they're, they're a little bit. I, I, maybe I could have laid it out more clear. I don't, but 
it's not a NASCAR thing. Like the, the, the frustration is with the, the appeals board and them not like, what are you doing? Why did you rule this way? What were you thinking? And now do you understand the ramifications for this and how you took something that was very black and white, which is very rare when it comes to the rule book, something very black and white. And now you just added this huge gray area that's where teams are going to feel very emboldened to say, hey, wait a second, if Hendrick is doing this, especially one of the, the four big teams, where they're going to be like, hey, you know what? If they can do it, we've got the depth and we've got the resources to to be able to get away with this. Like, why not? And it's going to be very fascinating to see what the fallout from this is over the next few weeks. I, I think anticipate NASCAR making some kind of rule book change because that's what they do. But even then... Like, I, I still think there's there's going to be teams that say, wait a second, it might be worth it to try to get away with something. But see, what, you know, what can you do with the rule book if you're NASCAR? Because they follow the rule book exactly how it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's the appeals. I mean, if anything needs to be changed, the appeals panel and the appeals panel process to let NASCAR be like, look, I, I think it should be, okay, appeals panel. We'll have this appeals panel place. We'll have this this process in place. And if you want to tell us, if you want to agree with a team that they actually did not violate the rule and you want to overturn it, that's mm -hmm. fine. But if you agree that they broke the rules, then you have to go, we, we have to be allowed to dole out the punishments how we see fit. They are the police. They are policing the garage and trying to maintain the sense of order. These people just completely came along and took the teeth out of their penalty. I mean, it's almost like let's say like a, a local, a, a county or, or whatever said to their, um, their sheriff's department. All right. Um, you can no longer give speeding tickets. You can only give warnings every time somebody's speeding. Well, all of a sudden you'd be like, Oh, I'm just going to go down the road and go 90. Cause if mm -hmm. I get pulled over, they can't give me a ticket. They can't yeah. put any points on my license. They can't make me go to court. They can't make me go to driving school. They can't make me pay a fine. Uh, I, I'm, they're going to give me a warning. Okay. The guy pulls me over and says, all right, you really shouldn't go that fast, sir. Make sure you watch your speed. Okay. Officer, no problem. And you go along, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that would be they, after a while you just stop pulling people over because what's the point? So, you know, like, and then you'd have people speeding all up and down the road. This is, this is sort of what's happening now. Right. Or what has the potential to happen? Because look, I mean, I, I'm not saying I would go out of the way to to get caught and in it by any means, but you kind of know, like, all right, if we, if we, and you know, I, let me back up for a second too, because one thing that really stuck to me, stuck out to me in your article was the people saying, expressing how disappointed they were that they've been trying so hard mm -hmm. to not, to make sure everything is right to make sure. Okay. Like, look, look guys, we know that these parts aren't made the right way or whatever. And like, okay, that's not good. But like, we've been told not to do this. Let's, let's just make sure they're all right. Let's make sure we're buttoned up here, guys. We don't want any of these penalties. Let's really spend a lot of time to get this right. Hendrick was like, hey, these don't fit. We're going to make them fit, okay? Like, sorry. And you we admitted I mean? we tried to make, like, Chad Canales yeah. admitted, like, they didn't fit. We tried to make them fit. Like, there's not, like, Hendrick's denying that they did anything. Like, they're very adamant. Like, we did it. Yeah, we did it. But here's why we did it. It's, 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 it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, and so obviously the appeals panel agreed with them. Like, well... You know, that's not good that, I mean, I, I'm assuming because we don't get the information from them, but I'm assuming the appeals panel is like, look, I mean, all right, you know, you, maybe you tried to get communication on this or clarification on this yeah. and, you know, and, and, and I think the other thing too, like, and this is, this is what I know a lot of people are probably listening right now and yelling at us. Cause I got yelled at on Twitter for this, but people are going to say, reading your comments. 
Well, I mean, it helps to know what, what people are, are saying, but people are, you know, the, the Hendrick fans are, are a lot of supporters. I think that their, their counter argument is, well, that, wait a minute now they didn't race with this. They did not race with these parts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, I have a counter argument to this, but what's your, how do you, how do you respond to that? Well, I mean, the first and foremost is it doesn't matter whether they race with it or not. It, it, the, the rule book does state when you come on property, your car is supposed to be legal. If you unload your race car, it is supposed to be legal in race condition then. And if it's not, you can be penalized. And NASCAR has the option to tech your car or go through it whenever they want. And if they find something along the way, whether you've been through tech or not, um, whether there's been on track activity or not, you are you can be you can be found guilty. I don't like the idea that because basically what people are essentially saying is, Okay, let's say NASCAR suspected this or thought this was a thing. Mm-hmm. Well, wait till they race it, and then let's say they win a race or finish top five. Then you start throwing them out, throw out their oh, oh you know. No, don't. I mean you you're supposed to tech cars before, so you don't have these problems. Like you don't want to start throwing out win. If you can prevent having to throw out and DQ a winner, then you sure as hell do it because it's a bad look for everybody. And you also want to run the race on Sunday with the not with with the idea that everybody's racing up and up like everybody straight up has legal cards not of hey man these guys win watch what's going to happen here like you're not out to send these messages because then your audience your fans are, aren't getting what they paid for that's not how you that's not how you officiate any sport and also if you let them practice with it and say okay yeah go ahead and practice you're basically giving them free r&d on a part that they're not supposed to have and now they can yeah. say oh well okay let, let's take it off for the race let's take it off the race but now we know what it does like let's let's say right or you know here's another argument they don't tech the entire field after the race anyway mm-hmm. so you know if you're not in the top five let's say you had these and you finished six or something I mean again and look do I think that this has maybe anything at all to do with Hendrick's speed I I don't think probably I mean, the even one percent like William, yeah like William yeah. Byron and Kyle Larson dominated that race it yeah. didn't at least in that instance it sure as heck did now now. As I had a conversation with somebody on the NASCAR side, like you don't do anything to your race car without thinking that it's going to gain some kind of advantage. So, well, sure, and especially in a in a for a part yeah. that it's is is sent redirecting the airflow, and you know it's it's an aero part essentially, right? So, yeah. and blowing it over the top of the car. So, yeah, I mean, if it doesn't fit and you make it fit, sure, I'm sure that helps. You know, again, that's not the, what's responsible for their speed, but it's also it's also something the rest of the field is not doing. And mm-hmm. you, the whole point of this car is to have it be as close as possible, or at least have the, you know, the perception or the knowledge of, of the, that in the garage that like, okay, like this is relatively even, even playing field. I mean, obviously you still have some cars faster than others, but it's the same parts and pieces for the most part. And yeah, I just, I, I feel like, um, something NASCAR is going to have to now change the appeals process, which is, you know, I'm sure going to be a whole thing. But, but they can't keep losing appeals like this because, you know, when, when the appeals panel says they did this, you're right. You're right. NASCAR, you, you got this right, but that's not the, that's not the penalty. I, sorry. No, I just, I don't believe in that. I just don't. I, I want to get like, why do you think they won the appeal? Cause I mean, I've heard so many different theories and like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I hear. Why do you think they won the appeal? What well, do you, first do you of all, they it? didn't win it. 
Well, right? I mean, technically they, they, they didn't did win it because we win it, but right. they, they won it. Like, but so I, I but purpose. I think that's going to be my answer is that my perception would be, and, and they've, because they've done this a few times, right. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, all right, we're, we're going to agree with this all on one side or the other, or, you know, we're going to throw it out or we're going to whatever. Instead of making a decision, which is tough. Look, I mean, I've talked about before the season, I was on jury duty and it's, you feel a lot of weight and pressure to make a decision, um, that is going to have an effect one way or the other. But by doing this, the appeals panel essentially tries to say, well, you didn't get what you, you're not getting what you want out of everything and you're not getting what you want. So it's kind of a good compromise. Like they're almost acting like a, you know, like when a baseball player goes to arbitration or something mm-hmm. um, and be like, well, you know, let's, let's find a, a happy ground, but that's not what they're supposed to be judges. They're not supposed to be an arbitration group where they, they come to common ground or, or, or find the best thing. Right. Um, so I, I don't, that's, that's, that's what it feels like could be happening. But again, we don't know what's, what's your personal theory on that. Uh, so I've got five, I, I, they're not mine. This is just what I've heard. Oh, okay. Uh, I got I got five of them here, and I'm five gonna theories, uh, five theories on why, and I think you've heard these too. These are five theories on why NASCAR has struggled with appeals, and this is even goes back to last year, like William, they lost the William Byron thing, right? And you're the talking about the one, William Byron one about yep. the spinning intentionally spinning Denny Hamlin yep. at Texas and getting fined twenty five points, and he got that restored. There was also the Jeremy Clements one last year. Uh, I think Matt Crafton was on. They, they've yes. their record, and I, I don't have the number in front of me, and I should, and I apologize. Their record in appeals is is iffy. Let's just leave it, you know. Yeah. So here's what I got for five of them. One, um, when you're dealing with Hendrick Motorsports, you're dealing with a Rick Hendrick and a Jeff Gordon. And the panel is starstruck. Like they Jeff and Rick carry a lot of stature. Rick comes in those meetings or like the name brand, and you're like, whoa, that's Rick Hendrick. Like there's a little bit of awe, and that carries some weight. Um, as an aside with that. Um, there is not really anyone on the NASCAR side who carries that kind of stature. Like there's no longer like a Mike Helton type figure who like walks into a room and like, that's Mike Helton, like, you know, kind of just uh, commands respect. There isn't really anybody on the NASCAR side who's doing it, who, who has that same level of gravas, you know what I mean? And so there's that. Uh, also the panel is, it, uh, consists uh, kind of a generality, but kind of consists of old school old racers, right. Who have been around a long time and they don't have a connection with modern day NASCAR leadership. And they know Rick, they know Jeff, they've been around him in different situations for a long time. And maybe in some cases, some people on the panel look at it and say, well, you know, you know, maybe they aren't happy with how NASCAR is for whatever reason, where in the direction it's going one reason or another, whether it's the car or whatever. And they kind of blame current NASCAR leadership for this and say, wait a second, like, yeah, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt on my eyes where Rick and Jeff are more old school approach. Like we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The other one is um, miscommunication. Like uh, on, like you have to be, you can play it. We saw it last year with RFK. We touched on it last week on the podcast. Like you have to, if NASCAR has to be very diligent and very thorough and very straightforward when it comes through these things. And if you can find a loophole of miscommunication, and maybe NASCAR wasn't as buttoned up as they needed to be. That can be an issue. And all of a sudden, a team can exploit that, which takes me to my last point. 
Matt, H- Hendrick Motorsports is really good at taking notes, at finding loopholes. And they can find the littlest thing and, and kind of wedge it in there and say, wait a second, you know, we this 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 can work towards our advantage. So those are the theories that I've heard. That was four, wasn't it? That was five. Oh. Uh, starstruck, old school people, not enamored with current NASCAR leadership. No one on NASCAR's side who commands a room like Mike Helton. Miscommunication. And then Hendrick um, takes great notes. Okay. I'll let you off the hook. I didn't take great enough notes apparently because I thought that was four, but it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Maybe math's not my strong suit. They all kind of blended together, but I mean, those are the five. Well, somewhere in there perhaps lies the truth. But again, this process is not transparent at all. No, this should be streamed, by the way. Can we have this streamed? Well, it doesn't even need to be like a circus or a spectacle, but I think that be great when, when you're going to announce something that has this kind of, cause this, again, this, this has pretty wide ranging implications potentially. Right. So it would be good if the panel comes out and says, here's what we considered. Here's why we did this. Here's our, the factors. Here were some of the arguments, you know, it doesn't even have to be like more than one page or something, but, give us a little bit more insight on why you're doing this because I, I think the whole industry is just sort of wondering. And like, like you said, you're, you're going around talking to people in the garage and all these people have different theories. And these are people who work in the industry and are well-connected and they don't know. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Yeah. The lack of transparency on this is what hurts. And I will, <clears throat> I will say this a little bit uh, on this case is there is an appeal coming up with colleague uh, for the same an infraction. So you could, maybe there would be more transparency in this if there wasn't that appeal because, you know, NASCAR doesn't want to tip its hand and they're trying, you know, maybe they want, they want to win, they want to win this on Wednesday. And so they don't want to put out there what just happened with Hendrick. So maybe we will get that transparency after Wednesday and, and this, this, the colleague, the appeal. Well, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not saying on NASCAR needs to be more transparent. I'm saying the appeals panel needs to be. Everything needs to be more transparent. But, like everything across yeah. the board needs more transparency. Like, it's well, just, I tell you what, I tell you what, and, and this is, Ooh, if this happens. Okay. So oh, we don't I know, know go with this. we don't know who the appeals panel is, right? Cause okay. the appeals panel, the three members of the appeals that they get chosen for the panels mm-hmm. is from a group of people, like a rotating group and like a pool. And so NASCAR will say, okay, look, here's the pool of people. You guys, you know, are you available to come to Charlotte? And do By the way, I'm available here? on Wednesday if they want to put me on the panel. Okay. You're not part of the pool. Uh, and I don't think that they are going to put you on, on the pool this year. So a great story. Um, that would be quite the story, but uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to make it. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't want you to be disappointed, <laughs> but I don't think you're going to make it. So um, let's say it's a three different members or something or, even a couple different members than the one that heard the Hendrick appeal and colleague loses and doesn't get their stuff overturned for the same infraction that Hendrick. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Oh my the goodness. Fan it's reaction. Gonna be, oh, it's going to be maddening. Like, but, I mean, and yet I, I feel you, like it's very possible. Yeah. Cause no, it's, it's going to be different people, it's different people. We don't know how they're going to present their case. Like they may. Now, if I'm colleague racing, Wednesday night, first thing Thursday morning, I would have been on the phone with Hendrick Motorsports and been like, whatever you all did to win your appeal, can we just hire you for the week? And you come on over here and take it. Like, I mean, I'm not kidding. Like, I'm dead yeah. serious. Like, if hey, you hey, can, can you guys whoever, tell us what you said? Like, yeah, what, like what, what would you, yeah. 
How'd you get you off for us? We're hiring you for the week. Congratulations. <laughs> you worked out hall colleague. Here's your corner office. Like, but that's the case. Like it, there is a, like, again, like people in the garage know this, like a colleague could get nailed for the, in, while Hendrick gets off. Like it, it's, it's very possible. And this is a little bit of a, take this even further in a different direction. So there's three things kind of happened in the last week, right? You've got the, the, the louvers thing. We're going to put colleague and Hendrick together. And let's just assume that colleague wins its appeal like Hendrick did, right? And then you've got the Daniel Suarez thing from last week where we both agree that he should have probably been docked points and him just slapping him with a fine is not acceptable, but he got away with a slap on the wrist, no points. The other one is the Denny Hamlin thing. Out of these three incidents, only one of them may cost somebody points and it could be Denny Hamlin for something he said on his podcast. It's, that blows my mind. Like these other two things, which is an infraction that should be penalized heavily. Both of them actually, both infractions should be penalized heavily. One for running to someone on pit road and then two for, for messing with the next gen parts. They could get away largely scot-free. And then the guy who, who runs his mouth is going to get dinged. He's the only one who's going to end up losing points in this whole thing. It really is. I mean, I, I, and I get that it's all different categories and stuff, but like sure, when you consider like, okay, Josh Williams gets suspended for after being told again, we, we, we felt, at least I felt not you, I felt wrongly to, uh, to park his car. He parked it on the track and, you know, in a moment of anger, whatever, get, leaves his car on the track. He was supposed to park anyway. It was still under caution. Okay. Then he gets suspended for that. Daniel Suarez comes down pit road. And I wasn't thinking that Suarez needed to be suspended, no. but, um, I thought that it should have been more than a fine. Like Absolutely. at least, you know, again, points, that doesn't really degree, send 10 yeah. points, 15 points, whatever. Um, because it was, that was sort of a dangerous move and you have to sort mm-hmm. of send a message. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah. So like, and again, like Hendrick gets their points back. So as you said, the, the irony that somebody for making a, a comment on a podcast, which by the way, well, it'll be interesting to see with the appeal, but we haven't really necessarily seen evidence that he did intend aside from saying, Oh, I, I took, I decided to take him with me. There hasn't been like a, you know, we haven't seen data or something that shows. Yeah. That he did it'll be so like that, you know, but th- again, that that's the guy that loses the points out of all this. <laughs> that's the one driver that loses <laughs> points out of everything that we just said happened. Ah, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. yeah. Weird, weird justice system. It's, it's, oh. There's a, there's a car alarm going off. So oh. I don't know if more, more people are trying to get penalized now. I see that's, that's something I would <laughs> penalize somebody for blowing their car alarm while I'm on my yeah. podcast. You know, if I was the sanctioning body, we should go check, go to be the uh, neighborhood watchdog and make sure no one's, well, it doesn't look like it's car. my car. So I just, if, some, if somebody's car is being stolen and I think I'm good so far. Not your deal. Well, I mean, you know, everybody has ring cameras now. Somebody will see who did it. <laughs> 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 is that being not being a good neighbor? I mean, I'm on a podcast. I can't be neighborhood watch while I'm on the podcast. Why not? Go chase him through the neighborhood. That's hey, this is a dangerous uh you know, you chasing people I these days. Have you not seen these internet you chase people through the neighborhood? Yeah. Who'd you chase through the neighborhood? This was back when I lived in Minnesota. <clears throat> like two o'clock in the morning. And some guy I, so my car had been like they had gone into my car a couple times. This happened like a couple times. These guys had gone through neighborhood cars and, they, and everything. It was like two o'clock in the morning. And so I was kind of keeping an eye out for it over this period of time. And I was up one night and I saw these guys walking down the street 
and I saw them go kind of discreetly into cars. And I'm like, wait a second, really? Is that what I'm seeing? And then, so I quickly threw on my shoes. And by that time they were already down, like further down the street. And I'm like, I started walking down, kind of seeing what they're up to, to see if making sure I, what I thought I saw, I saw, and they were doing it. And this is like two, a block or so away. And then I see them and then they spot me and then they took off and then I took off after them. And unfortunately, I wish I would have, I mean, they were so far ahead of me, I couldn't catch them, but I was, I made a run for it. You know, they could have been armed. Yeah, Wait a minute now. You did have a drive-by shooting at your apartment with <laughs> yeah. bullet holes in your apartment just last yeah. year. These could have been the people seeking their revenge. This is why you don't Maybe. chase people through the neighborhood. No, that was good. I would, I would, it would have been great though. It would be a great story if I had caught them. What? And you also got your car stolen last did, year. Yeah. yeah. And you recovered that. I did, yeah. I did that on my own, but and I discovered on my own who did it without the police's help. I actually told the police, like, here's who did it. I went and gathered all the evidence and everything. I so, forgot yeah. about that. Boy, you are really, no wonder people are shooting up your apartment. <laughs> See, this is why, look, I'll look out my window. If somebody needs my ring doorbell camera footage, mm -hmm. I can supply that. Yeah. But I'm not going to be chasing somebody. Mm -mm, no, sir. No, sir. That's oh. a bad idea. You need to watch more. Scary internet <laughs> videos of things going bad when you do that kind of stuff, Jordan. Ooh. Anyway, um, speaking of scary, how about that IndyCar race? Did you see that one? I saw I, – I literally watched the IndyCar race on your tweets. Like your tweets are what got me through the IndyCar race. I was in the Oh, you weren't today. able to see any of it. Oh, my no, gosh. No, I mean the race started – the garage opened at 1230 today. I was here, and it was like that's – you know how it is when I'm on a, on a race. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. I, I tell you what, though. So you, treat this, me like I'm an idiot and just run me through the race. Well, it sounds this great. Is, this is what I will say. There's not very many races that I've already seen that I would then like be willing to go back and watch the whole thing through someday. Mm -hmm. I, I think I would do, I, I think I would watch that race again. It was that, that good. good. Yes. That was like one of the best IndyCar races I've ever seen. Now Indy 500. Okay. I mean, those are, those, are, there's been some really, really good ones of those, but like aside from the Indy 500, this one, do you remember that famous, I don't, I don't remember what year it was, that the last Fontana race they had that was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, wild. 2015, I believe. Yeah, maybe that, that sounds right. I mean, that that was like absolutely thrilling. I mean, I'm not saying this was as good as that. I mean, it was there were some moments. I mean, it was really good. But I mean, it was it was like wow. I, I was literally So what made it so good though? Like what was it that was First of all, I mean, the racing was incredible. So it's, it, it really had everything. So it started with like a really good battle, you know, like side by side guys kind of dicing and all that stuff. And then once it got sorted out, it turned into this like Pato award show where his car was just like unbelievable. And he, like they'd already, they had had one caution. So it wasn't like he was just going caution free, but, um, he was just, he lapped all the way up to second place. Um, there was two cars left on the lead lap. And I mean, he was just, it was like, wow, this is, but because of the, the dominance and the way he was doing it, um, and at the high speeds they were doing it at, it was still like, wow, this is, I'm not turning this off. Like, this is unbelievable. And then a caution comes out and they, it, it turned into like, okay, well actually we're, we're going to have to do like a little bit of fuel mileage strategy here, but because they were also like the leaders were fairly close to their fuel number. Nobody wanted to lead. So everybody was packing up at the front. So it was like, <laughs> it was like that. Remember like those great old, like Chicago land, IndyCar races yeah, and, yeah. back in the IRL days. Oh, it was like one of those, like just this great mile and a half racing. 
I mean, just like this close to each other. It felt mm. like they could crash at any like moment. Old, it was an old school Texas race, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it was just, it was super, super thrilling. Um, and then, you know, there was another caution and, you know, because, you know, things get, tend to get backed up. So then they were all able to pit. So then fuel was out the window and they could go hard. So you had mm-hmm. all these different sort of like everything that you would want out of a race, like you're getting this, you're getting this. And so then they go hard in their race. I mean, they were racing their guts out for the win. It was spectacular. And Roman Grosjean ends up crashing, you know, basically coming to the white flag and you didn't get that, you know, photo finish, but it was still like the laps up to that. I mean, rarely am I, you know, so engrossed in a race that I'm going to like, I can't sit down. Like I have to stand up in front of the TV, like uh, nervously, pacing or like saying to my, by myself watching it, like, Oh my gosh. Oh, you know, like that kind of thing. It was truly one of those races. Um, it was just so good. It was so good. Um, our friend, Nate Ryan, uh, I, I was just reading his article before we started the podcast. He wrote on, uh, an article about how basically like old Texas is back. Um, you know, some of the, the, the PJ one wore out, but, but now here, the question is, um, <laughs> you know, are they going to be able to keep it? Because, you know, we know that Texas has already been looking at, okay, well, what can they do reconfiguration wise? Because the feeling is, and Will Power said this in Nate's article, they're probably just going to do whatever's best for NASCAR. So Nate, I mean, that's, the, that's where their bread's but I mean, that's their biggest revenue thing is what they do in NASCAR. So un- unfortunately, as good as this race was, <laughs> it could be a one-off. It could one-off. be going away, you know, depending on what, what, uh, you know, SMI decides to do with Texas. But it would be a shame because, I mean, so I guess the IndyCar's hope is when NASCAR goes back there this fall, um, you know, please have a good race. Please don't be the typical NASCAR race there because um, that might be the only thing that can save it. Uh, That's wishful thinking. What's that? Wishful thinking. That's wishful thinking, having a good NASCAR race at Texas. But, I mean, this, wow, for IndyCar, this was an absolute banger of a race. Fantastic. I'm telling you, like if you, I don't know how you watch, I don't know if they have it on Peacock or whatever, but if you can find a replay of this race, sit down and just enjoy it. I mean, it it was, it was great. It was really great. I know what I'm going to do tomorrow then. I was going to watch it anyway, but now I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. I I just think, and the other thing is, you know, and and I, I think this sort of goes along with sort of a trend of what we've been seeing recently, but you know, we were talking about last week at Coda, the lack of the stage cautions. We still have the stages, but you mm-hmm. ditch the cautions for them, right? And to see this race, as good as it was, play out completely naturally, right? Like, they didn't need to stop it. Stuff happened to make it a good race. And at the end, okay, unfortunately, you know, it didn't under, under green. But I have I guess I've come full circle in my, in my view of overtimes and stuff because... Like after all the stuff at, at Coda, all the circus stuff in with the three overtimes and all that stuff, I'm I'm kinda over all that stuff. I don't I didn't need them to bunch it up one one more time and be like, okay, IndyCar, oh, you gotta get a green flag finish. Send somebody into the fence. Cause I mean it was dangerous enough. Like you don't need to have more carnage and then like kill somebody over this. This this was a freaking dangerous race. Graham Rahal got airborne at one point and he's lucky he didn't go into the fence. Um because he he wheel, went wheel up over another car, and um, you know I I got I the older I get again like this won't surprise anybody who regularly listens to this podcast but the older I get the more I'm like I don't think we need 
the contrived stuff, the stage breaks, I don't, again, overtimes, I don't know how you do it for NASCAR, but I am I'm more going into the direction of sort of just the letting the race naturally play out. It's racing, it's motorsports. You sometimes stuff happens, but just it's fine. Let it play out. It's fun. It's enjoyable. You're shaking your head. No, I hate I, I don't like I I'll, I can understand the stage breaks. I agree with you about stage breaks. I'm over stage breaks. I've made my case about that. I just think it is in this day and age when you are trying to capture fan interest and if you give them an anticlimactic finish um, because the race ended nat- you know, before a caution comes out with two laps to go and the race is over, like you're going to, I think you're going to kill your audience. I think you're going to, you're going to leave them dejected. Like, Hey, I didn't get to see the finish I wanted. And in this day and age, I don't think you can do that. I think you have to offer your audience a reason to stick around and, and make it exciting. I, I just think it's a losing recipe and you're going to have too many people upset that they're not getting a, a finish and having a race finish under caution, you know, at the scheduled distance is not going to be something that is going to be well received by the masses. I, I really firmly believe that. I think there's a, there may be some old school fans who are, are on board with that, but I think there's going to be a lot of fans who are like, no, I, I want to see a good finish. I invested my time in this. I want to see a finish. I, I wonder if you'll feel the same way after tomorrow. You, you probably will after you watch it, but there was nothing, you know, okay. Yeah. I could have got the side-by-side photo finish or whatever out of the IndyCar race, but um, my heart was still pounding so much. Even after they had finished under caution, there was nothing more that I wanted from that. I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, like, Oh, this was so great until this, I didn't need it. Like, and, and, you know, Matt Weaver had a great point on Twitter too. And I think this gets lost sometimes, but you know, when, when, when you know that the race could end at any point and like, it's the final 10 laps and, and a caution at this point, they're not going to be able to get it restarted. And you know that that is the race for the win. Like that, you know, you have to make the pass out. You can't wait until the last lap. You can't be like, all right, I'm going to bide my time here and make a slingshot. Like you're racing hard as if that is the last lap. And that makes it even more compelling. Cause it's like, we got to go now. I got to be in front now. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Like if everybody knows that going in, if you're going to do that for super speedway at NASCAR, like, okay, this is it. This is it. Like there, we know there could be a wreck at any second, any moment. And this is it. Um, again, you already I'm, have that anyway with the overtime though. So why, I mean, the, you, you have it with, because if the, the caution comes out with one on the white flag lap, it's over. So like you have a little bit of both. Yeah. But these overtimes are just getting to the point where every, you know, it's just, it's, it's almost like for a while, you know, they, they, when they implemented overtimes and they implemented stage break stuff, it's like, oh, we got to do something to spice this up. Um, but that, that almost is like a, you know, sort of an admission that in a way that your product isn't good enough without those. And I think that NASCAR has a good enough product. I, I do like NASCAR racing is, is exciting and things are going to happen as we saw at Coda, mm-hmm. um, naturally to, to, bunch up the field again the first People time gonna- there's a caution with like three laps to go in a race for debris and the race is over because of that it's gonna be people are gonna be throwing things on the it, throwing things on the racetrack it is gonna be in so deflating when you get a caution that's maybe questionable and the race is over like you're right i mean but, you're gonna but piss off i think your audience like that there's a lot of people it, that that would resonate with though like okay well that's racing that's motorsports okay it just it happens. doesn't have to be motorsports you can change things up like it's yeah, but not okay. If you're going to do that, then I agree with what some of the drivers were saying and, and what we said on the podcast this week too. Okay. It, 
keep overtime fine but okay go to single file finishes or single file restarts like, I, I, I because think that's something i'm that just tired of adapted. every single in we saw it in f1 which we'll talk about in a minute but these restarts when when there's late race restarts people are going to run into each other people are going to run over each other and it just is it it's too it's like you watch it and you're like oh i know what's going to happen now oh oh yeah it just happened like in the truck race right like on you know nick sanchez and zane smith are racing hard at the end of the truck race and you you see how they're going and and you're like oh boy nick sanchez is really crowding him here and he ends up taking out zane why is that not going to happen though if you get rid of if you get rid of overtime why would that not happen with like three laps to go you're like oh my goodness there's only three laps left you know these guys are gonna and so then what and then you're just like oh but by overtime it's almost guaranteed because you're like, this is it. This is your last chance. You, get rid of going for it. you might be guaranteeing it where it's going to happen in regulation, and you're going to have nearly every single race. You know, I don't finish know, man. I'm just getting. I'm. I'm. I look. I'm getting old. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pining for the the days of just the more purity and less contrived rules in in racing but in general. Because I, I like so, when it's better. So Sports t- are better when it plays out naturally. It just. It just. That's just I get so line. I get so tired of the uh, racing. You know, racing has to be pure and this. Like, tell me, there are so few. It's not Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR. Like, what is a pure form of racing? Like, I, I don't know. Like, every I mean, you you have to continually evolve your product. Every major league sport is doing this, from soccer to baseball to NFL to hockey. They want to make their product the most exciting and fun and, and entertaining thing imaginable. And going back to a way where you are maybe kind of going away from that, like that to me is not a winning strategy. I, I'm not saying it, it needs to be all gimmicks in a circus, but there has to be an, to to create a, a way where you're going to have your audience leave going, that sucked. I, I'm not happy with that. I, I wanted to see that finish play out like that. That doesn't get them necessarily maybe wanting to come back. Yes, it, it plays to a certain crowd. But I think in the big picture, with a bigger crowd, I think you're you're kind of sticking it to them a little bit. Do you think three overtimes at Coda with the mess that happened that that gets people that that makes people go, "Wow, I can't like, wait to watch I that about again." This. I mean, obviously, this has been the topic du jour this week, right? You know, and I thought about it a lot, and, and I thought Mike Davis had a really good comment on the Dale Jr. download that's kind of resonated with me. And I thought a lot about this. And I don't know if I 100% agree with it, but I do think there's some truth in it. Like NASCAR spends a lot of time kind of like every week it feels like we're talking about something they should know, whether it's overtimes or rule changes or, or double file restarts or this and that. It's like just kind of own who you are. Like just own it. Like you guys are we're, – we're, this is a sport that you're going to crash into each other and you know it's going to be all hell break loose. Like own it. Don't try to like shy away from it. Like, oh, we need to be more like F1 or this. That. Like, you know what? This is who you are. Accept it. Uh, and again, I'm not saying you need to go complete circus. And there's definitely a fine line. But like, if this is what people kind of want to some level, like you, you cater to them. Give it to them. I, who and I'm who not wants? Saying, okay. I hear this. I hear that argument. I, I heard the same clip. I like Mike, of course. I agree with 99% of what he says probably. but <laughs> Not this though. <laughs> the thing is. People say, well, this is what people want. This is what NASCAR's built. This is that the entertainment. When you look at, okay, and again, this is, look, not everybody's on Twitter, okay? So, like, I get this is not necessarily reflective of 
the, the fan base as a whole. But when I see comments on posts, when, when things like Coda happen or, or whatever, and, and you hear the driver comments as well, I, I don't think people, I, I'm not convinced people actually do want this. I think there is sort of like a, I think there are more people that are sort of a, my thinking than maybe people realize and you're saying, well, this is what people want. Look at the, look at the TV ratings this year. They're losing like 600,000 people every week. So who, who exactly, and, and this has been a season where largely, you know, this one wasn't, uh, an overtime finish, but you know, what, it wasn't like five out of the six races before today have been decided by overtimes, um, this season, something like that. I mean, it's been overtime, overtime, and, and it's not, it's not doing anything to, I don't see it doing anything to more, pull more people in. I mean, I think I think they've given these rules a fair shot now. Stage breaks, um, multi, you know, unlimited green white checkers, all these sort of things. I'm not convinced, and I haven't seen anything that I see people going, "Well, yes, I, I'm a NASCAR fan because of this," or I, "I'm I'm pulled in because of this." I, I need to see this. I think a lot of more people are like, "Oh gosh, oh here we go." My my driver, you know, has been fifth all day, but now here come three overtime restarts, and he's going to get taken out at some point, you know, just because everybody races like crazy. And I don't know. I just, again, I look, I, I get that. I'm the Clint Eastwood meme, you know, yeah, you're the old man standing on the, on the porch screaming at the young kids. But I, I do think there's more people along my, my thinking than maybe, I, I don't know. You, look, you may be right. Wrong, like, but, and you, you make a, you make a really good point in that. If you look at the television ratings, and maybe maybe there isn't an audience for this. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, like, hey, there is an audience that wants to see, and maybe it's worth trying it the other way, just to say, hey, at least you have a comparison, right? And so, I don't know. I, I just think that when you look at where sports are at, you you have to make sure that you have a compelling product and that you give people a, a satisfactory finish. And I, I think that the first, if you get a few of those in a row, people are going to be really upset. Maybe I'm wrong. Speaking of unsatisfactory finishes. Oh no, I was very satisfied with Formula One. I was that was great. What? How were you so was, how were you satisfied oh, with that? Because your team, team chaos? chaos had a great oh. time last night, man. That was fantastic. <laughs> Formula One race in Australia, uh, our Luke Smith pointed out that um first F one race in history that was red flagged three times. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh and to end it, how they ended it with, with them bickering on the broadcast about that oh. too, by the way, you liked that? No, I, the FIA oh. is just like, it's like the most, they're like, okay, let's red flag this. We're going to, we're going to restart the race because we need to run out the last lap, but it's going to, we don't have time to go with a green flag lap. So we're going to lift the red flag, have everybody get back in their cars, run it, you know, come off the pit lane, run under caution and then as they come across the line, like the, <laughs> that's, that's the end of the race. This is uh, I wouldn't trust the FIA to organize a kid's birthday party. Like it's so ass backwards on how they do things. It's just like, they, well, it takes one to know here. one on organizing kids birthday. I wouldn't trust you to organize one either. So I, I throw great parties. I throw <laughs> tremendous parties. Like I, okay. as someone who used to throw one, a big party once a month, like I am parties are my forte. Like this journalism for kids, work out. the kids, it was the kids part. That was the key. You get some clowns, there. you get some punch, you, you find pill, pin the t- tail and donkey. It's easy. Okay. 
All right, please continue with what you're saying. Like, Sorry, it's just like you're sitting there and they're like they're combing. Like they ran through like they had four different scenarios like they could pick from. It's like, <laughs> like what are you doing? Like, it, it, I mean, you can criticize NASCAR all you want to, and they are certainly deserving sometimes. But like, it's not nearly. They don't get nearly. The FIA doesn't get nearly enough criticism for how backwards and how convoluted their rule book is, and how it gives the impression whether it is or not. Oh, like they're just making it up on the fly. And it's like race to race, week to week. You don't know what you're going to get in terms of late race situations and how to manage it. Like it's it's bad. It's horrible. Well, first of all, I, I do think they get a lot of criticism. <laughs> I don't, I, know I don't even think it's enough, though. It feels like it yeah. just blows by. And it's just like they're just. So here, here's the difference, which which is why I think the FIA looks especially bad is because they present themselves as like we are the pinnacle of oh, motorsport yeah. we yeah. take this so seriously every little bit of our rule book has to, you know you will be summoned to the stewards you will get this you will get this mm-hmm. we are the you know blah blah blah. and then when they can't officiate a race very well <laughs> and you know Which you happens sort of, a lot yes you know nascar's not out there saying like oh we are oh we're perfect you know we don't do this kind of thing like NASCAR will come out and say, you know, oh gosh, yeah, we actually, we probably should have done this sometimes, you know, if, if they, if they have a bad call or whatever. Right. Um, and, but, but the FIA, they're just like, oh, well, you know, like it's just the, the error that they have. It. Oh, absolutely. Arrogance. arrogance is it's perfect word. Arrogance yeah. is, it's just, it's just, uh, and it, in, uh, it's just not good. It's, yeah, I don't like, I, they have too many rules. It's too, it feels like it's on the fly. There's no consistency. You talk about lack of consistency. There is zero consistency. A lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. We're going to penalize this guy for this. Oh, but this guy gets away. Um, I, I just, it's, it's bad. And I think that how that race unfolded was a microcosm of the issues that Formula One has. Yeah. Well, another issue they have is that Max, Max Verstappen <laughs> keeps winning, even in a, even a chaotic um, race where you're like, oh no, this is you know he gets he gets beat on the restart. There's multiple standing start restarts. You know you're like, oh this could, I mean he could get taken one of which out by here. the way the, the deciding one he he like the photos certainly didn't look like he was within his little box thing. Right? Yeah, where's like, the FIA on on that one? Yeah, he was like, over the get line of his box. Alonso a couple weeks ago, but yeah, it's just and and uh, Esteban Ocon in the in the first race. You yeah. know, all that stuff. Um, but oh yeah, Max is over the line. At least it looked like from all the viral photos mm-hmm. we've seen. But no, you know, I, yeah, that that one doesn't I, I didn't I never heard an explanation for that, but that was kind of weird. But yeah, I mean Max wins again. Um his closest competitor, Checo, um, has to do a standing start after a, a terrible practice and adjustments. So, you know, it's a horrible weekend for him. Qualifying, you know, P twenty because he you know, they, they couldn't get the brakes right or whatever. And he kept, you know, he went in the gravel and terrible weekend. Um, he tried to salvage what he could, but you know, it looked like for a while I was like, Oh, you know, it could we see the Lewis Hamilton? I, I was like, no, Man. George Russell. Well, George Russell went out early cause his engine blew I know, up. I know. I don't, don't worry. I would, he took the lead early. Like, he had the great restart took the lead. And I was like, can't wait. I hope if he wins this race, this is going to be great. Father. But then, you know, Lewis passes, passes max too. Yeah. And it, it seemed like, okay, you know, that, that caution came out for, um, a- Alex Albon. That was a scary crash, by the mm-hmm. way, because the way he came back on track after going through the mm-hmm. gravel and the cars, I mean, had somebody 
come yeah. through and oh that would have been really bad like t-boned him or the back of his car that could have been really bad sliced there was a couple right accidents through. yesterday that were like yeah were like, that australia track is sketchy i'm telling you it, it Fast, feels sketchy like, to me yeah. Yeah. yeah but so so that didn't seem like it was going to be a red flag that's another thing too like okay you know yellow flags displayed safety car right and russell pitts because why wouldn't he and then mm-hmm. they're like oh actually it's going to be a red flag and then he got completely screwed because everybody got to come down and make, you know, F1 rules are weird where it's like, yeah, you can, you know, unlike NASCAR where you can't do anything under the red flag. Oh yeah. Yeah. Make tires, adjustments. You want tires, changing tires, tires free, free stop as everybody's standing still for tires. Brother so his strategy was, change. yeah. I mean, his, so Russell was completely screwed after that, even before his engine blew up. But even then you're like, I, I was thinking, I was like, oh man, Lewis Hamilton, Maybe he could he could win this race, and you know Jordan in the middle of the night is going to have to uh, eat all the crow for Lewis, uh, you know. But no, it didn't happen like that. But I mean, great racing between um, Alonso and Lewis Hamilton, respectful. Yeah. Alonso's sort of taken a more respectful uh, approach toward Hamilton this year after criticizing him last year. And remember, like he said, he made that comment, like he was only he was only it was only because of his car and all that stuff. And now he's I guess they, they got a little history. But they they've been nicer to each other, much nicer, yeah. like the last couple like weeks. And you don't like them being nice no, to each other. We want bad blood. We want feuds. We want guys. You know, I don't mind feuds, guys. but I mean, don't take shots at Lewis being the one of the greatest. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just, he just had a good car. No, it was more than that. Yeah, Sorry, I mean, he did have a great car, of course. But like, is Max only doing well right now because he has a great car? Doesn't hurt. I'm not saying, of course, it it doesn't hurt, but. Like, come on! Like, he's he's an elite, amazing, talented yeah, driver I as just, well. In Formula One, it, that's the thing. Like, you have to be a great driver, but you are never going to win a championship without a great car. Yeah, you have to have you know best driver, best car is a pretty good, pretty good combo. Yeah, it's pretty it's hard to beat that. Yeah. So, um, you know, listen, uh, that that race, you know, I saw some people firing back at me uh, again in the Twitter mentions. Um, you know, because they're like, oh, you, you know, you, you ripped Coda last week, the NASCAR circus. Oh, it's too chaotic, but you're going to say this is the best race ever for F1. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's the best race ever. It was too chaotic and crazy again. And, and Lando Norris, I mean, again, we have coverage on the athletic from, from Luke being on the ground there and stuff. And the drivers were like, you know, these restarts, I mean, it could have been a NASCAR driver quote. Like, these restarts are just for the show. We should have played, that. We should have played a game on the podcast of just taking the quote, <laughs> NASCAR driver or Formula One driver. Like, that, oh, my goodness. Oh, we missed it, Jeff. That would have been a fun yeah. game. Yeah, who said this? Who said this? Who right? said this? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, this. the comments are similar. But I, I can't blame, I can't blame anybody in those situations because when you, when you're placed in that and you're like, okay, another standing restart when they didn't have to do this, like this is there, there was another way to do this, but they're doing it for entertainment. Like, and then if everybody wrecks after that, you're like, okay, that sucked because we got put in this position. Everybody predictably crashes. And by the way, um, the second red flag and the third red flag, I, I like blacked out for about 10 minutes. Yeah. You went radio silent and cause, and I was like, oh, I think he crashed. I think he went to bed and then you perked back up and I was like, oh, he's back. Well, when they go red flag and everybody's getting out of their car yeah. and I was already fading because it was like, you know, it was so hard to stay awake. 
I'm like, all right, you know, you know, because as soon as they start getting out of the car, you know, it's going to be at least like 10 minutes till the race resumes. And I took eventually, a nap before the race. Well, that's another luxury I don't have, Jordan. Uh, anyway, <laughs> your fault. Uh, so yeah, I I was radio silent for a little bit there, but I was still I was still you know I just woke myself back up and been like, oh, they're going to restart in five minutes. Okay, time to, <laughs> time to check back in here. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, now it's going to be a few weeks off uh, before yeah. the next F one race in Baku. Oh, great track! Love that track. That's going to be. That, that track, sharp corners, super, super long straightaway down like the main part of the city there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be fun. But I think it's not till like three weeks. It's like three the, weeks, end, the yeah. last weekend of April. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's next week, right? I, I don't know what you're talking about. So I've had more than one person say to me that they are disciplined. And you can check your Twitter mentions because they're on there too, because I've seen them. Um, that they want you at Bristol next week. We need to get you to Bristol. It, it's it's less than a week. I'm not going to. If I find a reasonable minute. flight, will you come? Um, no. Why? I I don't want I I don't want to I don't even want to see it with my own eyes. You know there was the April Fool's joke. Uh, I think it was the NASCAR memes account or one of those accounts and put out uh, on April Fool's breaking news. The Bristol yeah. dirt race has been named the NASCAR oh, I championship. <laughs> and I, all these people DM me and they're like, did you see this? Did you see this? And I was like, I wrote back several people. And I was like, I literally would just die right there on the spot. If that, if that was the championship, I would just be like, I will simply just drop dead right now. That's it. That's, that's it. The end for me. I would love for that to happen just to see your reaction. I just told you I would die. And you said you would love you're for not that to happen. Die. You're such a, you're, you're being, you're being over the top. Why would I want to come there? It's 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 like seeing your your. Uh, let's say you had a, a favorite restaurant, right? Let's say you have a favorite Italian restaurant, and uh, you love going there. And for, I'm literally checking flights as we talk here. For one week a year at your favorite Italian restaurant, they turn it into like a a Seven Eleven, uh with ices and the, the hot dogs on like the rollers. There's no chance in hell. I'm even not a gas station hot dog, but ices are great. I'll take an icy. So they take your, your, you, you love the Italian food here. You love the pasta. It's fresh. The chef's great. And then you go and it's like the hot dogs on the rollers and all this crap. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is so, Oh, this hurts. This hurts. That's how I feel about Bristol. I love Bristol paved Bristol dirt remains an abomination to me and there's really look i'll try to keep an open mind next week yeah i'm sure you will i will if it's a good race i'll come on and say it's it was a good race uh-huh, yeah. i will i'm not gonna okay. be like no this race sucked if it was a good race we had a good race last year and you saw you hated no, it no it was a good finish oh. but i didn't even know there was a good finish it was a chaotic finish okay anyway so good news i can get you a reasonable flight do you want coach? Do you want business class? What kind oh, of if, if you're you're gonna fly me there, uh, I'm I not will, flying coach. I am no no. I will literally book your flight right now. I, I don't believe it. I will, literally, I have it. I will book it right now. If our Listen. company won't pay for it, and they probably would, because you know they would. Why would they? What would what would be the return on our company's investment for me to go to Bristol? Because you, I will. I can actually sell this because you could write a first person story about your Bristol dirt experience. People would read that. Listen, I think people that were going to subscribe anytime recently, they just hopped on the $1 deal, which I appreciate them for that. 
literally hundreds of people mm-hmm. uh, were hopping on that last week for just our motorsport stuff alone. Mm-hmm. So that was fantastic. Appreciate all the new subscribers and everybody taking advantage of that. Let's talk about the was it a good you race? You want to arrive Thursday or Friday in Charlotte? Let's talk about the was it a good race poll? And I'll pick you up at the airport. You are undefeated, Jordan. Congratulations! Five. Um, last Five. week, I thought you were giving me a free win, mm-hmm. and it turned out that I completely whiffed on the percentage, and it was very close once again to the exact percentage that you predicted. Okay. At no point in here did I hear you say, "I'm sorry, I was wrong. You were right." I was absolutely wrong. I don't even know why I questioned you. I I think I shouldn't even guess. I should just tell you, ask you to tell all of us, me included what people are going to vote because you are absolutely on the pulse of how people are um, viewing this. Okay. Let's raise the stakes. No, whatever you're right. Whatever the bet is. No, let's raise the stakes. I win. I make it six wins in a row. You come to Bristol dirt. (laughs) Who's paying for this? Who is Does paying it matter? for this? Why do you care? Like, who cares? You're coming. Like, why, why do you care? Like, the fl- I'm looking at the flights. are not that expensive. Yeah, because who would want to go to the Bristol Dirt Race on Easter when people could be with their families? Why would you? Why would? I, why would somebody want to do that? Because you Easter get to see your night, best friend. By the way, yeah. who's my best friend? Wow, that's hurtful. Thanks. <laughs> Listen, what's your guess for the was it a good race poll? So we deal. Like, if I win this week, you come to Bristol. No. Yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. What, what, what is it going to take for you to say yes? Do you have our boss on the phone right now? Are you going to be able I to will, get this approved? Call, I will literally call Zach at this very second. I will do it in a heartbeat. I will do. I will put him on speakerphone and we can have this conversation. And you and I both know what he would say. And he would like, he would sign off if, on this in about three <laughs> seconds. If you I, know he would. If I was ordered to go. <laughs> I'm going to text him right now. <laughs> can you please hang on? Listen, can you just make I I, I got to edit this podcast. I got to post this on YouTube. <laughs> Thanks to all of you watching, by the way. Thanks to all of you listening. Can you just can right, we wrap this thing today? up? What? Your, your guest for the Richmond race. Yes, Richmond. Oh. That you're sitting there at Richmond. Do you want to go home? No, I got writing to do. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm ever going to leave. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to go 72%. Why? What's your reasoning? I have no. I have no. Actually, no. Can I scratch that? Are you going to go lower? Yeah, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go 68%. Um, yeah, I don't even think it was that good. So um, I will price is right. You reverse. Of course. of course. And I will go 67.9%. Okay. All it's right. going to be my first one of the year. Uh, so you're going to go 69 no, 67.9. Oh, 67. So I'm trying to book a flight here. I'm looking at a, I was looking at Delta. By prices. the way, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. Uh, oh, boy. So I don't know if you saw, but Elon Musk has announced that I think beginning April 15th, which would be or maybe April 13th. So I think I think Bristol Dirt will be the final one before this goes into effect. If he falls through Fitting. his word. Um. To, to vote in a Twitter poll starting April 13th, you have to subscribe to Twitter Blue. So you have to be giving Twitter the to eight vote. bucks a month. What? To vote. To vote in the poll, you have to be Twitter Blue? To vote in the poll, you have to be oh, paying man. Twitter to just to vote in the poll. That's so great. I've already decided 
I will not be doing that. I'm not going to make people pay $8 a month if they don't subscribe to Twitter Blue to vote in a poll. That's fair. That's absurd to me. So Mm -hmm. we will have to move it to a different way, whether that's back to the Google Forms or a different polling site. You know, we went through this last year and I looked through different polling sites. A lot of polling sites want to charge you a bunch of money to have Mm -hmm. thousands of votes, all this stuff. I'm not really into that. Might go back to the Google thing. But in case we do, I don't want to hear the accusations again that, oh, Jordan's undefeated, so you've got to rig the poll again. Oh, they're coming. That's good. Oh, I'm trying By the way, Americans got cheaper flights in Delta, so just I need your uh, frequent flyer info. Seriously. I can save uh, like 28 bucks. Oh, uh-oh, Jordan. Some, somebody's outside, and uh, I, I think they're doing a crime in my neighborhood. I, I need to go be on neighborhood watch, so... <laughs> We're going to have to end the podcast here. All right. Everybody. Oh yeah. It looks like they're running down the street. I'm going to go get my shoes on. Uh, I have to go right now. I'm sorry, everybody. Well, it's been a great podcast. Really enjoyable. So um, everybody, I'll talk to you next time on the teardown. See everybody. See everybody.